0: grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are in our third week today of this sermon series about spiritual disciplines. Again, spiritual disciplines are these things that we can do, this interaction that we can have with God on a daily basis. We want to be very clear with you the purpose for preaching about these these spiritual disciplines is for this reason. For this reason, that, that you have a God who is alive, who knows you and wants to spend time with you. He wants to hang out with you. We have a relational God and a relational Savior named Jesus. And so these spiritual disciplines are ways for us to spend time with God, growing in our faith and deepening that relationship. In some ways, it's like marriage. I don't know, if if there's a a married couple that you know that you really respect and look up to and you think, man, their marriage just seems good and healthy and full of joy and, and peace, what is it? I think if you peek behind the curtain of their relationship, most likely there are intentional, rhythmic, routine things that they are doing in their marriage To make it work. The the whole idea of a no-work romance is just not reality. Or it's like a a Christian person that you look up to, that you admire. If there's a Christian person that you know who you just think, man, that person is, they just seem to be at peace, and and, and they're wise and patient and, and, and full of joy. What is it about that person? I think if you peek behind the curtain, most likely... There are intentional, rhythmic routines that that person has in their life in order to intentionally deepen that relationship and that trust with God. It doesn't just happen, there is some intentionality here. And so if we want to deepen and grow in our relationship with Jesus, if we want to hang out with him, spend time with him, then that's what we need to do. And so these spiritual disciplines are ways that you can hang out with Jesus, and spend time getting to know him better. Now, so far in the last two weeks, we we started this sermon series with two, I think, relatively obvious spiritual disciplines with scripture reading and then prayer. So scripture reading, getting into God's word, and then prayer, spending time praying to God. But today is maybe more obscure and less familiar to most of you, and it's this concept of fasting. Fast. Now, when Pastor Kevin and I met weeks ago to plan this sermon series, uh, we were searching the scriptures, trying to find what it is that, that God's people have done throughout the Bible and throughout church history to grow in their faith and deepen their relationship with Jesus. And one of these things that popped up was fasting, fasting. And so we said, let's, let's add that as one of the spiritual disciplines we'll preach about. And so we assigned these and put them in order, and then we assigned our preaching schedule, and it turns out that I'm preaching here today. But I have to admit to you, I don't know much about fasting. (laughs) And in my spiritual walk, I have not really done much fasting at all. Okay, so I'm just being totally forthright with you here today. Now, with that being said, Throughout Christian history and throughout the Christian church around the world, even to this day, fasting is a huge part of many people's Christian discipleship. It's just not so much so in our American Christian context. Maybe it's because we love food. I don't know, but it it is popular around the world as a spiritual discipline, maybe just not so much here. So, again, I'm just telling you, I don't have a ton of experience. As a matter of fact, I think the only experience that I have with fasting was when I was in junior high. And when I was in junior high, our youth group went to a Christian camp for something called a 32-hour fast. And so we were not supposed to eat for 32 hours. I, I don't remember much about why we did this. I think it was some kind of fundraiser. I don't remember. I'll tell you what I do remember, though. I cheated. All right? That's what I remember. See, we weren't supposed to eat anything, but we could drink stuff. And we were at this Christian camp, and it was essentially a lock-in, and we were allowed to stay up really late. And somebody, it wasn't me, figured out that there was a hot chocolate machine, and you could take the top off the hot chocolate machine, and in the hot top of the hot chocolate machine was the hot chocolate powder. So late at night... Some of us gathered together around this hot chocolate machine, got cups, put a whole bunch of the chocolate powder, like filled it to the top, put a little bit of hot water in and drank these and ate these chocolate slurries, all right? And then when the whole 32-hour fast was over, they gave us this big breakfast, which was a bowl of oatmeal and then a line of what I remember to be ice cream sundae toppings. That was what breakfast was. So like any good junior high kid, I took my bowl of oatmeal and I topped it with Caramel sauce and hot fudge and whipped cream and strawberries and nuts and sprinkles. And then I had a stomach ache. All right? So here's what I know about fasting. My experience. I cheated and I had a stomach ache. All right. So full disclosure. I don't have a lot of experience. But in my learning and research for today, what I've realized is that fasting is actually a very potentially powerful Spiritual discipline. And I want to share with you some of this today, and perhaps collectively we can find ways to incorporate this into our walk of faith as well. But let me just get a couple of things straight as we get squared away here. First of all, in the Bible, the concept of fasting is primarily about abstaining from food. All right, though there are other biblical concepts about, um, about holding back, about uh, kind of with, uh, like withholding things from your life by keeping them at bay, turning away from certain things. Uh, and I think a lot of us may be familiar with that kind of fasting. People do this maybe during the season of Lent where they won't eat a specific food for a time or will they're, will they're, they'll, they'll abstain from some kind of activity during the season of Lent. Well, the biblical concept of fasting is primarily about abstaining from food. And I think that's what's most uncommon to most of us. And so that's primarily what we're going to speak about today is abstaining from food. So more about that in just a minute. Second of all, fasting is not a diet plan. All right. So the biblical idea of fasting is not a diet plan. I know that in culture today, there is a diet plan about intermittent fasting, which may be a good thing for you if you want to get healthy. I don't know much about that but fasting is not a diet plan. If you want to lose weight, and that would be a good thing for your health, you should do that, but the purpose of biblical fasting is not simply to lose weight. And fasting may not be for everyone, all right? So there there may be some of you who have health concerns or health issues that if you stopped eating for an extended period of time, it may not be good for you. So just just know, or if you've battled with eating disorders or anything in, in the past, this may not be a helpful discipline for you, and we should just acknowledge that. It may not be for everyone. Fasting also is not a way to get God to bend to your plan. Some Christian teachers have taught this in the past, that really, if you want to show God, this is what they would say, if you want to show God that you're serious about your prayer request, you got to fast. Because then you can show God, God, I'm serious about this. I'm not going to eat until you deliver on this prayer. So God, I'm serious. I want you to be serious too. So fasting is not a way to get God to bend to your plan. That's not what it's for. And finally, fasting is not not to be a form of penance. Some Christian teachers have also taught in the past that if you you committed certain sins, that you should do penance and pay the penalty for those sins by not eating and abstaining from food, by fasting. So I just want to square all of this away as we get started here today. So then what is fasting? Well, we're going to take a look at the Bible here today, in particular the readings that we already read, and we'll see that in the Bible there are about 30 different uh, experiences or or times where God's people fasted, about 30 times. But there are different reasons why God's people fast. Different situations bring about different reasons for fasting and it seems as though we can group them into kind of three big categories about reasons why people fast. And so we're going to look at them as these big categories here today. So first of all, the types of fasting in the Bible, one of them is fasting as a response to God's activity in your life. So in the Bible, certain biblical characters had these big experiences being in God's presence, and after that, the next thing they did was they fasted. Moses fasted. Elijah fasted. Jesus fasted. As a matter of fact, the very first uh, incident of fasting in the Bible was with Moses in Exodus 34. Uh, If you remember Jesus, he fasted after his baptism in the Jordan River and then he went out into the wilderness and he was tempted by by the devil for 40 days. He fasted there. And so in these experiences, people had these big moments in God's presence, and then they went and they fasted. Why would they fast there? Well, to deepen that trust and that dependence on God. After being in God's presence and experiencing Him, they're just simply saying, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you have for me, I am yours. I am totally dependent on what you're going to do in my life. I want to share with you in Acts 13, what was one of our readings today, the second lesson. In Acts chapter 13, uh, the Christian church, the early church, fasted for this reason. As Pastor Kevin said before he did that reading, the Christian church was very new at this time. They had just had the Pentecost event like we, we celebrated last week. The Holy Spirit came upon them and thousands of people came to believe in Jesus. And then soon after that, thousands more started believing in him. But really, the Christian church had not moved very far outside of the region yet. No missionaries had been sent out. So some of the early church was gathered in the city of Antioch, and while they were in Antioch, they were fasting and praying about what was next for the Christian church. And while they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit came upon them and said to them, I want you to set apart for me Saul and Barnabas. Uh, This Saul is is Paul, Paul the the apostle, the missionary. So I want you to set aside for me Saul and Barnabas, and I want you to send them out on a missionary journey. And so after this experience of the Holy Spirit, they continued fasting and praying, and after that, they did send Saul and Barnabas out on what would become Saul, that is Paul's very first missionary journey, of which he would go on subsequent missionary journeys. As well, so the thing that birthed that missionary movement was fasting and prayer. Now, maybe some of you, as you're thinking, you, you know, I mentioned that we're going to talk about abstaining from food here today, and you're thinking, okay, but what does that have to do with anything? I get why the why the apostles why they would want to pray about it. You know, the Holy Spirit says, send Paul and Barnabas out. You, you would probably say, okay, yeah, we'll pray about it. We'll try to discern if that's the right thing. Why fast? Why abstain from food? What does that have to do with anything? Well, food is one of the most common things that humans do throughout our daily human experience. How many days do you go without Food. You eat food, right? And you do it intentionally. You go and you seek food. It's something that you do routinely and rhythmically, intentionally to keep your life going. So to abstain from food is an intentional choice to reorient your brain and reorient your body. I think in our American context, we have this kind of dualistic view of life. We think about our lives as though They're distinct between something spiritual and something physical. A lot of Americans think this way, that we think spiritually and we think physically as if they don't have anything to do with one another. But they have everything to do with one another. The biblical authors would not have thought this way. They would have seen you as you. Yes, they talk about a spirit and a body, but you as a human are you. You are interwoven. You can't distinguish one from the other. So, a lot of us think about spiritual things as something that we do in our head, and maybe in our heart. So when we think about these experiences with God, we would think, okay, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. Maybe I'll journal about it. Well, fasting is sort of the physical manifestation of prayer. So in prayer, in our thoughts, a lot of times we're saying, God, I I need to hear from you. I need to discern from you. Well, fasting is the physical experience of saying, Lord, I'm dependent on you. I need you. And so to couple fasting with prayer encompasses our whole life in this moment where we go, God, I need you. I'm dependent on you. Kind of neat. The second kind of bucket of uh, types of fasting is this, This one's very different from the first one. It's fasting as a way of turning from sinful choices. This is actually the most common type of fasting that we hear about in the Bible. So it's kind of fasting coupled with repentance and prayer. So when somebody turns away from sin, oftentimes they leave behind the sin, but they also leave behind food for a time in order to turn towards God. The example that we read today was from 1 Samuel chapter 7. And Pastor Kevin gave a little context when he read it here today. But here's what, essentially what's happened. God's people had been worshiping foreign gods. They built up idols and been worshiping these things. Well, Samuel called them to repentance and they said, we will no longer worship these foreign gods. We want to worship Yahweh, the one true God of Israel only. And Samuel said, good, that's great. But that's not all. Samuel then gathered them together, and when they gathered together, they held a fast. And then when they fasted, they collectively said, it's 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, they collectively said, we have sinned against the Lord. So they fasted, and they repented. See, fasting is a physical thing that if you were to do it in your life, it actually causes grief in your body. <laughs> right? I mean, if you don't eat for a while, what is your, your body starts growling at you. <laughs> right? It was happening to me this morning when I woke up. My, my belly was growling at me, even though last night I ate so much that I had a stomach ache. So, I, just common theme here, Aaron eats too much food. All right? So I woke up and I, my stomach was growling. Right? This happens, our, our body says, I'm, I'm grieving, I would like some food. See, when you come come into the reality that your sin is wretched and the things that you have done to hurt people in this world and the things that you have done to hurt yourself and the things that you have done to hurt your relationship with God, when you look at that mess of sin, it should grieve your heart. You should look at that mess you've created and say, oh my goodness, oh my, I can't believe that I've done this. And so fasting is a way that grieves your body in conjunction with that. And so if you couple fasting with repentance, then you come to God totally empty, totally dependent, saying, Lord, I'm yours, I'm so sorry, forgive me. And you know what kind of God you have? A forgiving and gracious God, a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and forgiveness for you. And so when you come to him empty, fasting. Jesus fills you. Fills you with his love, fills you with forgiveness, fills you with life. When we go to him empty, he fills us with just what we need, his word of life. And finally, the last kind of fasting we hear about in the Bible is fasting at times of great tragedy. So when tragedies strike in this world, sometimes fasting is the natural response. In the Bible, we see it in the book of Esther. I don't know if you know this story, but uh, all the Jews were going to be annihilated on one day, and Esther, who was queen, and her relative Mordecai both held fasts for a few days in, in uh, preparation for Esther to go beg for the lives of her people. In Psalm 35, King David uh, says that he fasted on behalf of his enemies. Psalm 35, it's this whole psalm about David being afflicted by his enemies. He's just being pursued unjustly. And he's, the whole thing is this lament. And then also in it he says, but when my enemies got sick, I fasted on behalf of them. These times of tragedy where we, where we come to God and we, and we fast. I, you know what it's like when those times of just tragedy strike in your life whether it's a tragic death of a loved one or just tragic. You know how sometimes you're, you just sort of cease normal operation of life where you just kind of don't know what you're supposed to be doing, where you're supposed to be going? <laughs> sometimes you forget to eat or forget to sleep or it gets all messed up. Sometimes we just naturally do this in times of tragedy. But what the Bible teaches us is that we can fast intentionally at times of tragedy because then we can come to Jesus and say, Lord, I, I just need you. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so broken. This world is so messed up. Please, Jesus, fill us. Fasting at times of tragedy. These are the three types of fasting in the Bible. It seems to be a very powerful spiritual discipline that I'm certainly trying to discern about how to implement it in my life. And I pray that you would be as well. But I also want to be clear at this point. Because if this is all that you heard in this message today, fasting in all these kind of difficult times, you might be thinking, the Christian life seems kind of lame. <laughs> because not eating is not fun. <laughs> and I kind of want to eat and have some fun. Is that okay, Pastor? And Jesus would say, yes. Because sometimes in our Christian experience, fasting is actually not the right response. But the opposite is. Feasting is actually the appropriate response sometimes. Sometimes feasting is the appropriate response. I think we're pretty good at celebrating good things, but intentionally, we can celebrate good things when God's grace abounds. In the gospel lesson today from Luke chapter 5, here's the context. Let me set it up real quick. Jesus had just called Levi, also known as Matthew. Sometimes these guys get two names. He had just called him from being a tax collector to being a disciple of his. And Levi left that life behind. Tax collectors were ruthless scoundrels. Some people would uh, classify them as almost the mafia. All right. So Matthew left that life to follow Jesus, and then Matthew threw a big party at his house because he was following Jesus, and he invited all of his terrible friends to come over. And Jesus is enjoying this party with them. And the Pharisees, who were the religious elite at this time, The Pharisees who uh, regularly fasted at least once a week, if not twice, and they made sure everybody knew they were fasting, those guys went to Jesus. They saw this and they said, Jesus, we fast. Why aren't you fasting? And Jesus' response to them, it was not, fasting is bad. We're getting rid of fasting. (laughs) Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, there's a time to fast there's a time to feast. Right now, this is a feast. These people didn't know me, now they know me. These people were dead, now they're alive. They were lost and they've been found. This is a time where life is to be celebrated. This is like a wedding. I'm like the groom, they're like the bride. It's like a big party. Come on, let's celebrate. Jesus said, right now it's a time to feast. He said, there will come a time, he's foreshadowing his death, where he said, I will, I will go away and they will fast at that point and they will mourn. But right now, it's a time to celebrate. So there is a time for feasting, and there is a time for fasting. Now, I don't know about you, what can you do to implement this spiritual discipline of fasting into your life? As we round this out here, let me just share just very briefly with you as we conclude. Maybe one of these uh, biblical examples of fasting, maybe there was something new that you heard there, and you'll be thinking about this, you know, in your next phase of life. Maybe there is some kind of big spiritual decision you're trying to make or some discernment that you're trying to have. Maybe instead of just thinking about it and praying, maybe you could add an element of fasting to that. And maybe not even a full 24 hours, maybe just for a meal, you know. Just us uh, put that in a, a little bit at a time. Martin Luther, in the small catechism, as Martin Luther teaches about uh, living the Christian life, Martin Luther actually said that fasting is good bodily preparation for the, receiving the Lord's Supper. It makes sense because in the Lord's Supper, you're actually getting a foretaste of the feast to come and, and so Jesus is filling you up with love and so it makes sense that you may come to that place hungry and empty. Luther said that's a good idea. But whatever you choose to do, let me just be clear about how Jesus teaches about fasting. Jesus says this and let's, let's let this be true. Jesus says, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't look gloomy. Don't go around saying, oh, I'm fasting, I can't, I can't do that because I'm, I'm fasting, you know. Um, no, it's, nobody should even know. It's between, it's about the relationship. It's about deepening your relationship with God, that's all. And like many relationships that you have in this life, a lot of relationships are built around food, right? You love going out to lunch with friends, having dinner with your family. Why wouldn't it be the same with God? Let food be part of that relationship with God, whether it's feasting or abstaining from food by fasting in order that on a daily basis you might live according to Jesus' words. And these are the last words. Hear them. Jesus says, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I pray at the very end that you would know that your sustenance for eternal life comes from the word of God. And Jesus is speaking that into your life today. I pray that you are filled with his life, filled with his word, filled with love and grace and peace and joy. Go, you are alive in Christ. In his name, amen. If you're able, let's rise. We're going to speak our faith today in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under